You're listening to The Catalyst with Samantha Chris, where we explore the inner workings of embracing the unknown, from ordinary daily habits to extraordinary measures. Get ready, we're about to ignite change and inspire action. Welcome back, everyone. I am your host, Samantha Chris, and with me today is modern day millennial Becky Scott. Becky is a 20-something entrepreneur with a zest for projects that help her grow both personally and professionally. A one-way ticket from a small town in northwestern Ontario brought Becky to Montreal, where she was determined to go after her dreams and create a new life. Once an aspiring psychologist, Becky's path took a different turn. She ended up in marketing and is currently a marketing coordinator for a tech company and the co-owner of an agency alongside two friends called Mimosa Marketing. Becky, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Samantha. (laughs) We've got some similarities in our story. I was studying criminology and I pivoted to marketing before ultimately starting my own business, which before coaching and consulting was actually a marketing agency. And I kind of feel like that's a millennial thing. (laughs) Right? I think this idea of going out on your own and discovering yourself through building an agency and working with clients is kind of common, would you say? Mm-hmm. It's so much more common with millennials than it, I think it's ever been with any generation. So you started your own business because the traditional career paths didn't really feel aligned with your values, with your creativity, with the freedom to express yourself fully. And what in particular with, I'd say, you know, that quote unquote traditional career path wasn't aligning. Mm, Okay. So maybe I'll preface by saying that I just feel like in my bones, like I'm, I just rebel against tradition in general, like whether it's with relationships and then with careers and then just living that like traditional life. I think for me, it's, I was never drawn to that. Like, even when I was young, I never, you know, thought about like, okay, when I get married and when I have kids and that white picket fence house and I have a job for like 20 plus years, like to me, that just always screamed like too traditional, too stagnant. I just, I didn't want to put my life and myself in this box and I didn't want to succumb to like society's expectations, I guess you could say. I'm good for you. I definitely got (laughs) trapped in that, in that, you know, down that path. I mean, we all do at some point, right? Um, I think for a while I was even, let's say like in my personal life, I was dating these guys that I was dating them for so long. And I'm like, wait, I don't have to have these super long drawn out relationships if I don't want to and I don't see them going anywhere and then I kind of drew on that part of my life and then put it into my my professional life and I'm like okay I can I can have a job for a couple of years try something out and then pivot and maybe go off and and do something on my own. So what about tradition do you think you have somewhat of an aversion to I mean like you kind of mentioned not following the the path or the expectations that society had set out for you but Mm -hmm. the idea of a traditional career path or like getting into a job and 
staying in it, for example, or, or kind of saying like, I want to do this for the rest of my life until I retire. What mm-hmm. is it about that that triggers you? Mm, that's such a good question. I think, I think part of it is a personality trait. And I think part of it is maybe being like the second and youngest child. Mm. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think I've always just been like that. Like if somebody tries to sort of like tell me what to do, I just, I have this like automatic reaction of like, I'm going to actually do the opposite. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't know if that's always a good thing. You're like, actually, (laughs) I'm going this way. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah, I think it's this like expectation. Like I cannot stand when someone and it could be anyone really like a friend a family member a colleague it's just like this this expectation that's put on you of you have to do this and this is what things are like and this hierarchical you know corporation that kind of thing too I've just it just it makes me cringe in a way makes me push back um when it comes to you know, being the second child, it's like my sister sort of did take that traditional path in life. She got married to her university boyfriend. She's had the same career since she was, I don't know, 22. She's been a teacher for that long. Um, She has a kid, another one on the way. She has a house, like, you know, just just all of those things. And I I remember at one point too, my mom was telling me like, you know, you would be such a good teacher. And this was the time when I was trying to figure out like, okay, what do we want to do? What do we want to take in university? And she's like, I think you'd be such a great teacher. And I'm like, you think, I, th- I think probably though a lot of it was the safety and the security aspect of it. Like don't go into the arts. Um, I mean, it wasn't explicitly said, but it's, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't really like cultivated, like, Oh, you're a really good artist. Like, did you ever think about, you know, taking art in university, um, which I'm actually grateful that she did sort of lead me down that other path because uh, I think a lot of times for millennials, if we have a hobby, we're sort of pushed into making a, any hobby that we have into a, a career or like a side hustle. Right. Right. I don't know about you, but it's like, let's say, for instance, I enjoy felting and I think whenever you're good at something or you enjoy doing something, it's like people automatically ask you, oh, have you ever thought about like selling your pieces or, you know, creating a side hustle of making, making things and selling them and going down that path. And I, I'm so guilty of doing that as well. Friends like, oh, I'm really into baking. And I'm like, oh, well, this is the perfect time. It's the pandemic. Have you ever thought about selling your baked goods? Like literally have said that a month ago. (laughs) Well, you know, it's kind of just the evolved expectation. I mean, before the expectation was you find a job, you settle down, you start a family. And I think we are very much in an era where the expectation is now, oh, you're good at something. You should find a way to monetize it. Totally. And it's this I think our generation has this whole, it's like a burnout culture. It's like, if you're not working hard or you're not overscheduling yourself, or if you're not super busy, then you're considered lazy or, you know, people take pride in 
how overpacked their schedules are. And I know that we were talking about this before, but I think the pandemic has been good in a way because it's allowed us to really slow down and take stock of what we're doing and um, just sort of, I guess, hibernate a little bit more and, Mm -hmm. and not, and not feel the pressure of like constantly going out, constantly seeing people. You have to be so extremely selective on who you see this year in particular. And it's, it's, I think it's for the best, really. It's definitely put things into perspective and, you know, what you're talking about, the kind of side hustle mentality and this burnout culture, the entire landscape of work and professionalism for millennials, I think is continuously evolving and, and generations, I don't even, what is it? Generation Z? What's after millennials? <laughs> yeah, I mean, generation it's, Z. <laughs> yeah, it's changing for everyone. I mean, the landscape mm-hmm. from here on out is not going to look the same. And I think that organizations will need to evolve to meet the evolving demands of the people who are not necessarily interested in a side hustle or making it as an entrepreneur, but who are still extremely creative, who are looking for an outlet for that creativity and really want to align themselves with something that they're passionate about. And do you think that there's hope for the modern day workplace to meet those needs of the modern day professional? Or do you think that more and more young professionals will resort to entrepreneurship because they just can't find what they're looking for? Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm hopeful that more things will be changing and corporations will kind of realize that millennials in particular, just they need more and they need better and they need freedom and creativity. They need different things from past generations. But honestly, I think it's going to be more of the latter of what you said of people just seeing what's out there and and saying, you know what, these jobs aren't resonating with me. I'm going to go out on my own. I'm going to carve my, my own pathway. I don't, I really don't think that entrepreneur, entrepreneurship is for everyone, but I think that it's becoming more and more common because you're kind of left with this, this last resort of creating your own path, essentially. So you talk about the importance of freedom and creativity. And I mean, you've got so many interests from digital media to fashion, to felting, like you said, why is it so important for you to express yourself and your creativity and even more so in a way that is not necessarily for monetary gain, like really just as a, as a means of self-expression. I just feel like it, it just, it just makes me feel whole and who I am and it's more like authentic and it just it gives me energy you know like for instance felting I am not doing it for anyone else I'm doing it for myself I just I find relaxation I can be zen when I do it Um, I just feel like it's a good outlet for your emotions even because we're constantly told like you have to be doing something and when you do do something like a hobby and to monetize it and to make it another side hustle I think that I want to be sort of the opposite of that sometimes and show people that it's okay to take time for yourself and to relax and do the things that you enjoy that give you the energy 
especially during this time, like we're living during a stressful time. And I think the last thing that people need is this added pressure, this added expectation that you need to do more, you need to be more, like it's okay just to be, you don't always need to do something. But if you are going to do something, want to do something creative that gives you energy and makes you feel fulfilled. Like I would say currently, I don't feel super fulfilled in my nine to five. So it's super important for me to take that time out of my day to do something that I enjoy it doesn't necessarily have to be for money. It's just for myself. Um, I don't have that expectation. I don't have the pressure from people. It's just kind of like I can zone out, I can do my thing, and I can just be. I love that. <laughs> so you're someone who seems to have an affinity to change and are pretty willing to kind of go where the wind takes you. Like, I'm going to follow my creativity. I'm going to get a one-way ticket to Montreal. <laughs> I'm going to totally just restart my life. Do you think that that's something that is somewhat of a norm for our generation? Or do you think that that is, you know, comes down more to personality? It's so hard for me to say because I do come from like a smaller city and a lot of the people that I know, they've grown up in Thunder Bay, they went to school in Thunder Bay, and they're very resistant to leave and to try something new. And I'm not going to lie, like there's not a lot of diversity where I'm from. There's, you don't, you don't get to learn from other cultures, from other people, from people who have different experiences from you. Yes, there are smaller communities, but it's, they're very much like grouped together and they very much stick together. Where, as I feel like coming to Montreal is just so eye-opening because it's like, there's so many different cultures. There's so many different types of people and not to mention like the whole language factor as well. So, I mean, that was definitely a shock to the system coming here. <laughs> I did, I did take French when I was um, in school. So that, that definitely helped. Um, but I hadn't spoken it in like 10 years. So coming here, it was like a culture shock, you know, just every, everything was just so different from what I was used to. Um, but no, I think from my experience, I don't think that it's the norm, at least from the millennials that I know to really create that drastic of a change. So you're fueled by a dream, like what brought you to Montreal was this desire for better, for a more fulfilling life, for some other opportunity that would allow you to explore the world on a deeper level. And I find so often we dream for more and we tell ourselves that we need a change and that, mm -hmm. you know, we convince ourselves like one day and we just kind of keep trucking along day in, day out. And that day, that one day never comes. Yes. What switched in your mind that made you take action once and for all and think like that day is today. <laughs> I am booking <laughs> that train ticket and there is no coming back. Um, so as I was saying before, like I was in a more like traditional path, right? So I was doing research at a university because um, I graduated from psychology. Uh, I was in a relationship that wasn't super healthy. That was kind of like, I just felt very stuck. Um, but I did tell the person that I was with, I was like, one day I'm going to move to Montreal and like, 
you better be okay with that. Like, I'm going to be very upfront with you. I don't want to stay in Thunder Bay. Um, so it was honestly, I think a month or two after we had broken up, um, I was at a baseball game with two friends and one of the friends lived in Montreal. Actually, she still lives in Montreal. And I don't even know how it came up. I, I think we were just, just, you know, she was just talking about how much she likes Montreal and what she's doing. And I sort of said to her, like, you know, I'm, I would love to move there. And she's like, okay, so why don't you, you have nothing keeping you in, in Thunder Bay. Like you're not tied to anyone. You don't love your job. You don't owe anything to your job to stay there. Um, most of your friends have left like to go to university elsewhere to pursue other dreams. Um, so what's keeping you? What's stopping you? And I said, you know what? You're so right. She said, you know me. You can crash on my couch in Montreal. You can just figure it out. And so I had literally given myself one year from that date. And I said, okay, so in one year, I'm going to move to Montreal. So that means I can save up. It means I can prepare in whatever way I can, do the, do the things that I've always wanted to do. Um, in Thunder Bay, like hike the sleeping giant or whatever it may be. And I gave myself that time and I was like, this is my deadline to do it. And, and that's it because you're absolutely right. It's, we have these dreams and we want to do these, these things, but we always keep saying like one day I'll do it or, you know, but you never really plan for it. Mm -hmm. You never really like set yourself up to take the next step. So for me, it was kind of like, I was, I guess, pushed into a corner a little bit. And then I was like, yeah, okay, I need to stop limiting myself. I need to stop telling myself like, you know, oh, that's so scary. And, and then it was so interesting because once I did tell people like, hey, I'm, I'm moving to Montreal, because then that made it even more real, right? Mm -hmm. Hey, I'm moving to Montreal. I'm going to be doing this thing. And people would just be projecting on me like, well, do you have a job? Where are you going to live? What are you going to do? How good is your French? And it was all of these, you know, fear-based projections. And, and I slowly learned, like, it says more about them than it does about me. Yes, I mm -hmm. have some of these fears as well, right? Like, of course, I'm concerned about what job I'm going to have when I'm there. But I had enough of a financial cushion that I was like, you know what? It doesn't matter. I'm not going to stress myself out looking for a job before I leave. I, all I know is that I want to be there and I'm going to make it happen one way or another. So how important would you say was the planning aspect of this goal? Because I mean, if you know me, you know that I'm a like, <laughs> goal lover and I'm a huge believer that like these big visions need to be backed by action. And so mm -hmm. I'd love your perspective on the importance of a plan in getting from where you were to where you wanted to be. Mm. I, I would say I'm also very much like you. Like if I have a goal in mind, I'm like, okay, I'm going to work backwards and then write out all the steps that I need to do and make sure everything's like in line. But I don't know what it was with this. It was like, this had been a dream for so many years that I felt like I couldn't overanalyze it. Mm. If that makes any sense at all. It was it like does. in my, in my gut and in my soul, it was like when I visited Montreal before I, I moved here, it was like, let's say three years before 
as soon as I got to the city, I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm in love with this place. I, I love the French. I love the feeling of it. I love the buildings. I love every, every single thing about Montreal. And I was like, I need to be here. So when it, when it did come time to, to planning, it was like, I didn't want to overwhelm myself. So I was like, okay, I'm going to give myself a goal of, um, you know, when I'm going to actually get the plane ticket. So I put in my calendar for, you know, the next year. And then other than that, it was basically just how much money do I want to save? How, what do I think is a, you know, reasonable amount to keep me afloat if I take a little bit longer to find a job? Um, I did get a sense of like how much um, apartments were, but again, I wanted to, well, actually, no, at the time I didn't know I wanted to live with a roommate. I, I just had no idea because I was also going from living with my parents until I was 26, 27, and then not only moving, but moving to a different city and a different province. Right. So I, I tried to plan for as much as I could, but I also wanted a little bit of spontaneity. And I also knew that I couldn't plan every single thing. So I planned as much as I could. And then I knew that there was going to be a lot of growth in that time <laughs> when I moved here. So I'm kind of happy on how I did it, you know? I mean, I no regrets. <laughs> it's so awesome for you because I think so many people get caught in the weeds and mm -hmm. it's, you know, they'll say, they say the devil's in the details and mm -hmm. people I'd say fall into the trap of feeling like they need to have every single thing figured out and it all must be perfect in order for me to take action. And it keeps people stuck. Mm -hmm. Like this idea of that we need to have it totally figured out and be, you know, having thought of everything and we've dotted all I's and we've crossed all T's and we cannot move until we've done so. It's like, that's mm -hmm. not how life works. <laughs> like yeah. things are moving. I things totally are agree with you right? Like things are changing with or without yeah. our consent. And like, we've got to leave some room for spontaneity, for flexibility. And I myself am like a recovering perfectionist and am certainly guilty of feeling like I need to have this fully and thoroughly thought through before I take action. Mm. And then I just don't, you know, mm. and like, it's been a number of years since I feel I've fallen into that, but mm -hmm. it can really get us stuck in a major, major way. So I totally appreciate the way that you went about it and think there's mm. a lot to learn there. Thank you. Do you think like for yourself, if you were to move now or say, I don't know, a couple of years ago to a different province or, or anywhere really, do you think that you would have taken the same approach or do you think that you would have done like more planning? I'm just curious. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I will say that there's, um, I've let go of my desire for things to be perfect, but yeah. I do have a very process driven brain. And mm -hmm. so I think I may have planned a little bit more, but not out of fear and not out of the necessity or feeling the necessity to have it all figured out. But mm -hmm. because I, I genuinely like to see dots connecting, like it actually brings me joy. <laughs> So yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I think maybe a little bit more, but but I think because that comes from a place of, you know, it would actually make me happy to do and, you know, and sit 
to kind of spend a couple hours doing some research on best parts of town to live in and where are the best mm-hmm. coffee shops and what's the best for, you know, a social life. Um, I would, not only would I sleep a little easier, I think, in, before making such a move, but I do feel that I would be a little more connected to the change. And I, that's what I would, I mean, maybe that's more reflective of where I'm at now. A couple of years ago, I'm not sure that would be, you know, exactly the case, but I certainly would leave room for flexibility. What I wouldn't want to do is have like a completely structured plan where there's no room for error. And I feel like the only way I'm going to be successful or feel like I've done this right is by following this to a T. Like I can't be restricted like that. (laughs) That doesn't vibe. (laughs) Yeah, no, I, I totally understand. I think that, I think that I can relate with you in that way. Like if I just came out of university, I would have been like, okay, I have to plan every single thing, you know, down to where I'm living and how I'm living and, and whatever. But I think that because I had a couple of years to unlearn that, you know, perfectionism and so much structure mm-hmm. that it, I kind of just allowed myself to, to, to dream and just to fall into it and to take this, this crazy leap into the unknown. (laughs) So for anyone who's holding off on their crazy leap into the unknown and their big dream, their one day dream, perhaps, you know, they're holding off on it because of fear. Maybe they've just gotten super comfortable with where they're at, but Mm -hmm. what advice could you share with them? I would say that it is scary. So it's okay to acknowledge that too, that I would rather live my life and say, you know, I I tried something and it didn't work out rather than say, what if? I think that would keep me up more at night. And I think there's no fun in that, you know, like give, give yourself the opportunity to grow and to take those chances. And yes, it's scary. And yes, I had challenges, but I never felt stuck. I always felt like I was growing and learning and doing something new. You just, you have to go for your dreams because you never know what's going to come from them. (laughs) Becky, where can people connect with you and learn more, not only about your journey, but about Mimosa marketing and all the other fun things that you've got going on? All right. So if people want to follow my journey, I'm on Instagram heavily, (laughs) Uh, Becky Scotty. And then if you want to learn more about my marketing agency, you can follow mimosa.marketing on Instagram. Um, I also have my own podcast called We Just Like to Talk. You can find it on any um, podcast app. Thank you so much for having me. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you for taking the time to be on the show with us today. Friends, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of The Catalyst with Samantha Chris. If you like what you heard, be sure to leave us a review and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Until next time, I hope you're feeling a little more equipped to lean into the unknown and take inspired action.